Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am releasing this episode on Christmas Christmas 2018. So if you happen to be listening around the holiday time, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I hope that you are taking a little time off, relaxing, enjoying time with loved ones and wrapping up 2018 on a fantastic note. Because it is the holidays, today's episode is going to be a bit of an abbreviated version of our normal episodes. So you have just me, Les or Lestrandra, not Leslie. Uh, here today, and I'm going to be doing a little listener Q&A episode. So I've received some really great questions from listeners lately. We don't have an interview lined up for today, but we're just going to hang out, and I'm going to A, some of your cues. So thank you so much for, for tuning in and hanging out with just me today. And if solo episodes are something that you enjoy, I know you know, we've had phenomenal podcast guests, and I look forward to bringing you more interviews. But if the occasional solo episode is something that you enjoy and would like to hear more of, please let me know. Um, Go ahead, leave me a comment on Instagram, or go ahead and post in our Facebook group, Balanced Black Girl Podcast Community, letting me know that you would like more solo episodes, maybe questions or topics you would like to cover. And I would be happy to accommodate that. I want to make sure you're getting what you need from the show. So I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it sweet. And we're going to dive into some listener questions. So the first question that I got, which is a really good one, is can you tell us your experiences as a balanced black girl in the outdoors, such as hiking, skiing, etc.? Which is a really great question. I will be honest, I probably don't have the best answer for this question because I don't have a ton of experiences as a balanced black girl in the outdoors, Um, not for stereotypical reasons. I think there are a lot of stereotypes out there that, you know, black people don't like to be outside or that we don't like outdoorsy things. And I personally don't enjoy mountain activities, not because, you know of any sort of like limiting belief, but just because of the times that I have done those things, I just personally don't enjoy it. Um, I feel like they're really time consuming and expensive and just aren't how I'd like to spend my time. However, I will say that I am more of a water person. So during the summer, I love being out on the water, things like paddle boarding, kayaking, boating, um, beach volleyball, stuff like that I do love. So I usually get my outdoorsy on with activities like that just my personal preference however I do think that it would be fantastic if there were more resources for people of color who are interested in spending more time outdoors because there is a ton of research that tells us that spending time outdoors away from our devices in fresh air can be so meditative it's really good for us mentally it's really good for us physically so if you are a balanced black girl who's interested in getting more outdoors i think that that's something that's definitely worth pursuing and i would be happy to look into more resources that may be out there um, of groups to connect with for that i know one that's coming up off the top of my head is called brown girls climb i follow them on instagram and it's a really cool account um, features women of color doing different rock climbing activities and 
and meetups and community around that sport. So I highly recommend giving Brown Girls Climb a follow if something like rock climbing is what you're interested in. Um, But I think that, you know, if, if you don't spend a lot of time outdoors, I recommend you finding the outdoor activity that works for you and that feels meditative and soul soothing. Um, And that's not going to be the same thing for everybody. Like I said, I'm not a mountain girl. I'm just not really interested in skiing or hiking. I've, you know, I just am not super interested, but I love being near the water. And that to me is really grounding and centering and meditative. So that is what I choose to do when I need to get my outdoor fix. And I recommend that everyone find what works for them. And if you haven't explored any of those activities, give them a try. You never know. Maybe you'll love it or maybe you won't love it and you can try something else, but it's definitely worth trying. My next question is, what are your favorite meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Um, And gosh, I want to make sure that I'm honoring everyone who submits questions, and I so appreciate questions being submitted. Questions like this I kind of struggle with because if you are following me on social media, you know that I am on a personal level just kind of trying to get away from content like this, mainly because... When we look at health and when we look at wellness and when we look at what we need, by and large, most of us know what to do. We know that we should be moving our bodies. We know that we should be moving our bodies often. When it comes to eating better, we know we should eat more vegetables. We know we should try to eat as unprocessed as possible. It's it's These are things that we know, but we like to say, well, I don't know what recipes or I don't have any meal ideas or I don't have anyone telling me what to do. And that's kind of our excuse for not doing it, even though by and large for a lot of us, we do know what to do. We just kind of use that as an excuse to put it off or we don't have that mindset of feeling worthy of wellness, feeling worthy of moving our bodies, feeling worthy of healthy food. And sometimes not saying that that's where this specific question came from, but a lot of the time that that is what it is. People love to, you know, go on Instagram and watch me eating a salad um, instead of just eating a salad themselves. And so I will get off my my soapbox here and I will answer the question. But that's just something to think about the next time you find yourself asking, you know, for a meal plan or for whatever. Just something to to consider that chances are you probably you probably know. Um, And I I empower you all to kind of take a little bit more responsibility there. But my favorite meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I will be super honest. I am in a really boring food space right now. I think I spent so many years spending a ton of time in the kitchen and trying to be creative and trying to come up with recipes for other people that I am super simple. So these days for breakfast, I pretty much will just whip up a smoothie with whatever frozen fruit I have in the freezer. I put some collagen, some almond milk, and a fat source, so maybe nut butter or flaxseed or hemp seed or chia seeds, honestly, whatever I have on hand, blend it up and run out the door. My breakfasts have been super simple. That or honestly just leftovers. And then for lunch and dinner, you're going to hate me for this. I literally eat the exact same thing all week long. So um, I've... (laughs) 
<laughs> just not been wanting to spend much time in the kitchen. I will at the beginning of the week, my meal prep will be making a big batch of something in the Instant Pot. It's winter right now, so that usually looks like a soup or a chili. I will make a giant batch in the Instant Pot and I will literally eat that for lunch and dinner until it's gone. And then if there's still a few more days in the week left, I'll just kind of scrounge up whatever I can throw together based off of what's in my freezer. So maybe that'll be like some bonza pasta in the cupboard and I have some marinara sauce because I like to stock up on that. Or maybe it will be, you know, some frozen salmon that I have and some frozen broccoli. I will just like throw those in the oven and it's kind of piecing together what I have. It's not glamorous. It's not exciting. There's not a lot of variety. Um, But for me, I'm just at a point where I don't really care about having every meal I eat be the best meal I've ever had. I just... I need food quickly. I need to not spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And that's that's what I've been doing meal-wise. And I know that that answer is probably not going to go over very well. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's the truth. The next question is, best products and tips for wash and go curly hair? Also love this question. So, This year, I made the transition uh, to start rocking my natural curly hair, put away the straightener. I haven't had a relaxer in about eight years, so that was a pretty easy transition because I just haven't done it in so long. And actually, on my Instagram, at Balanced Less, I uploaded um, some IGTV videos where I go a little bit more in-depth about my natural hair journey and just how I've treated my hair throughout my life and what made me decide to go natural. So if that's something you're interested in, head to my Instagram profile, at Balanced Less. I'll link it in the show notes and you can uh, watch those videos where I talk a little bit more about that. As far as uh, wash and go for curly hair. So if you're not familiar with what a wash and go is, basically a wash and go is when people with curly hair kind of wash and style their hair to try to keep their curls kind of minimal frizz, um, volume and defined it's kind of the whole process of washing your hair when you have curly hair so for me on a good week i usually will perform a wash and go once a week on sundays again this is when i'm on top of things lately i have not been and it's just been kind of happening when it happens but i usually like to do my wash and goes on sundays um the products that i've been using lately i have a shea moisture shampoo and conditioner set i think it's the it's the one with the purple label that's for damaged hair it works pretty well. I don't know if I would necessarily buy that set again, mainly just because when I run out of a product, I always like to try something different so that I can recommend different things. Um, but it is the Damage Repair Shea Moisture Set. I have the shampoo and conditioner that I usually use. And also, pretty much any time I wash my hair, I will follow that up with deep conditioning. So if you have curly hair and you are not deep conditioning, or if you're transitioning to natural and you're not deep conditioning, you have to, have to, have have to add deep conditioning to your routine. It seriously makes the biggest difference. So deep conditioning is basically when you take a, a hair mask or a um, like thicker conditioner and let it sit on your hair for 
at least 10 minutes, um, depending on the product. That will kind of vary how long you want to leave it on your hair before rinsing it out and styling it. So if you are not deep conditioning, you absolutely should because it's going to be the best way to lock in moisture. It's going to be the best way to repair your hair if it's damaged from heat styling. It's going to be the best way to add nutrients into your hair, and I can't recommend it enough. Some of the deep conditioners I've been using, uh, my favorite protein deep conditioner at the moment is the Diva Curl Deep Sea Repair. I typically only use that about once a month because uh, protein treatments can be a little bit drying. I wouldn't recommend doing that every week if your hair is on the dry side. I also wouldn't recommend leaving a protein treatment in for more than like 15 to 20 minutes because it can dry your hair out. But I definitely still recommend doing protein treatments just for a short amount of time, like once a month, because it really, really helps rebuild your hair and repair damage. On the weeks that I don't do a protein treatment, I will usually do a moisturizing deep conditioner. So the one that I'm using right now is the Shea Moisture... um, it's so the Shea Moisture like apple cider vinegar leave-in mask. Or it's not a leave-in mask, but the hair mask that is part of the apple cider vinegar um, castor oil line. And that's been the moisturizing treatment that I use. And so usually when I do that one, I will wash, condition, and detangle my hair in the shower. And then I will rinse all that out. I will add the deep conditioning mask to my hair. And then I will uh, get out of the shower, put a shower cap on my head so that the product can really penetrate my curls and moisturize and because that's more of a moisturizing mask not a protein mask I'll just kind of leave it on for however much time I have so that could be anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour I haven't done it overnight that might be a little bit much my hair isn't quite that dry so I haven't found that necessary Um, and I do my deep conditioner and then rinse it out now when I'm actually doing my wash and go styling The three things that I must have for any wash and go are one, um, a creamy product that will help like maintain moisture in my hair. So a creamy styling product. The second thing I need is a leave-in conditioner. And the third thing I need is a gel to lock it in. And I apply those things in that order. So typically after I rinse the deep conditioner out of my hair, I will then go straight into styling. And I will start off by sectioning my hair. I have to do it section by section. I'm not someone who can just leave all my hair down and just apply product to down hair. I have way too much hair. My curls are way too dense. And I find that when I do that, they just, they get really frizzy and it's not enough product. So I have to section my hair section by section I start by adding the cream based product Um, some of my favorite cream based products are the Shea Moisture uh, Hibiscus Coconut Curl Smoothie and the Diva Curl Super Stretch Cream are both two really great options the Shea Moisture is going to be a little bit more affordable the Diva Curl Super Stretch is going to be a little bit pricier but is a really great product so I usually add that directly to my damp hair you always want to make sure you're adding product to damp hair don't ever add styling product to dry curly hair then on top of that I layer in a leave-in conditioner My favorite leave-in conditioner is the Kinky Curly Not Today leave-in. I also really like the main choice um, leave-in spray. So depending on what look I'm going for, I will use one of those too. I would say the Kinky Curly is better if you really want to like lock in your style and you plan on 
um, kind of having your wash and go last for a while. The main choice spray is really great if you are really looking for volume, but your curls probably aren't going to last as long. So that's just kind of something to be aware of. And then I like to finger rake that through my hair just for any detangling to make sure um, all of the product is evenly distributed and it also helps my curls be more defined. And then on top of that, I will scrunch in a gel. So my favorite gel is the Kinky Curly um, Styling Custard. It's my favorite gel. It actually has really clean ingredients to be a beauty product, and I just find that it has the best hold when I'm doing a wash and go. So I basically use those three products all over my head. Most weeks, I will just let my hair air dry. I just kind of walk around with wet hair. Occasionally, I'll diffuse, um, and then I style my bangs and that is my wash and go routine it probably was a lot just listening to me say it so I do plan on creating a video that I'll either post on YouTube or IGTV where I will show you how I do that process um, in case that (laughs) in case that didn't make any sense hopefully that made sense though The next question is, I would love to hear more about how you spoke up and felt more comfortable to speak up about things you previously didn't feel like you could. This is a really great question. So I think this question is more around uh, the rebrand that I had earlier this year where I went from the Balance Berry where I was creating super generic wellness content, transitioned to Balance Black Girl where I started facilitating some kind of difficult conversations and, and calling the wellness industry out a little bit and being just really open and really candid and in ways that I hadn't been before so how did I how did I navigate that how did I feel more comfortable to speak up about those things honestly I think a big part of it on my end was just maturity Um, I am 29 years old at this time and when I started the balance berry I was 24 and I think, you know, in the past five years, I've, I've just really grown up a lot and I've changed. I think our society has not, not changed, but I think we've seen a lot of things come to light over the past few years of, of deep-rooted beliefs that a lot of people in our society have, of injustices that happen to people every day that are not new. However, we're all seeing them um, kind of front and center a lot more than we had before. And seeing those things and just feeling really empowered to try to do anything I can to facilitate conversations that that can help us all so whether you are a woman of color who wants to feel more understood or you know I have a lot of white followers I have a lot of white listeners and for a lot of them it's also really good learning to help them understand the world outside of themselves because for white people in our society y'all are not taught that you're kind of taught that you're the center of everything that you're the default and that everyone should kind of rally around you and for those of us who do not fit in that category, that is simply not the case. And, and a lot of you are, are learning a lot as well. So for me, it was just, it was a lot of maturing um, and a lot of just being sick of putting out content that honestly felt really superficial and like it wasn't moving me. I was tired of putting out things that I wasn't inspired by. And I was tired of having conversations that felt 
that just didn't feel like they were going anywhere. I mean, how many smoothie recipes can I come up with? How many booty workouts can I share before it's just kind of more of the same and you're either going to do it or you're not, or you're going to follow the recipe or you're not, but how is that truly making anyone any better? And I just had to kind of get real with myself and it's been hard. I mean, it's been scary um, and it's not comfortable, but I do it anyway because I feel empowered to do so and I truly genuinely want to drive positive change. Also too, um, I, I realized that the space that I was holding up in the wellness arena, I had a lot of women coming to me saying, I appreciate you know you representing women of color in wellness and I had a kind of a come to Jesus moment with myself where I was like, these compliments that I'm getting from these women are not well-earned. I'm not doing enough in the wellness space. I'm out here trying to blend in and be like everyone else. And I'm not truly advocating for myself and for other women of color in the way that I feel like I should or in the ways that I would want people to advocate for me. I didn't feel advocated for, and that started with one, wanting to advocate for myself, but two, also wanting to advocate for other women who maybe felt the way I was feeling, and I feel like I was sitting around kind of waiting for someone else to do it, and there are plenty of people talking about diversity and wellness, which is incredible, but not in a way that I felt kind of reached me or was alleviating how I was feeling, and so I thought, well, you know, it's time to kind of buck up and and, um, advocate for myself in a way that I had hoped others would do, but no one can truly advocate for you like you can advocate for you. And um, it's been scary and it was like a really big risk and it was something I just kind of jumped into without actually thinking through. But I'm grateful that I took that approach because I think if I would have tried to sit down and strategize it and and dissect it and think about it 10 ways to Sunday, honestly, I probably would have chickened out and wouldn't have done it. So it's something that's been a really challenging process and it still is challenging. I'm challenged every single day with it, but I am incredibly grateful for it. And I really appreciate that question. So the next question is, I would love to hear how you maintain the balance between enjoying food yet not going overboard and keeping your goals in mind. Um, So this is a question that is a little bit tricky to answer for me just with where I currently am in my fitness journey. I think that how the right approach to this question is going to depend on where you're at. So I'm going to kind of make the assumption because I don't know um, the listener who submitted it. I don't know her personally and I don't know where she's at with her fitness journey. I'm going to just kind of make the assumption that she probably has some sort of transformation that she wants to go through just kind of based off the nature of the question that maybe she has a weight loss goal or maybe she has a strength goal or maybe a body composition goal and she's trying to figure out a way to enjoy her favorite foods while still being mindful of her goals um so i'm i'm gonna answer the question from that approach and then i will also answer the question from the approach of of where i currently am so i'm going to try to cover both bases mainly because i just don't fully know where she's at Um, But starting kind of with the first part of it, uh, with the assumption that maybe she's trying to improve her health or get more into wellness and hasn't been before or maybe has a weight loss journey that she's trying to maintain. um, I think first and foremost, I think regardless of how healthy they are or not, you 
you need to be enjoying the food that you eat point blank period. So if you are trying to force yourself to eat like plain chicken and broccoli all day because you maybe have a weight loss goal or a fat loss goal or you know want to change your body, whatever that looks like for you, that's just it's not going to work because that's not enjoyable for the long term. And there are so many ways to make eating healthy and eating clean and eating with your fitness goals in mind enjoyable that don't have to be plain and boring so I think the first step would be really disassociating um, thinking that you can only eat kind of unhealthy food to enjoy food that healthy food is one thing and enjoyable food is another you need to kind of understand how to marry the two And if you're really getting comfortable with eating healthier, that's the time where maybe don't use the example like I used earlier in the episode where I talked about me just kind of throwing things in the Instant Pot and just kind of eating it and moving on. Um, That's because I am so far down this journey and I've been doing this for so long that I can do that. However, if eight years ago when I was first getting into healthy eating, I would have tried to do that, I wouldn't have stuck with it. So now is the time to pay a little bit more attention to your food, to add a bit more care to your food and to how you prepare it to make sure it's something that you really enjoy. And now is the time to really seek to enjoy every meal. So I think that looks like being really mindful with everything you eat, understanding everything that's on your plate, understanding how it's supposed to taste, what the texture is supposed to be. Um, If you don't like the way something tastes, ask yourself why you don't like the way it tastes. Do you not like the texture? Do you not like the way it's seasoned? Do you not like the way it's prepared? And continuing to adjust from there so that you can truly understand how to make all foods healthy or not enjoyable for you but really the goal here is to make kind of healthy foods more enjoyable so if you hate boiled brussels sprouts which honestly who doesn't because they're super gross try roasting them but you need to understand like one what does that brussels sprout taste like two if you eat a brussels sprout that you don't like why don't you like it and how can you change either the way it's prepared or the way you're eating it to help you enjoy it because I think while you continue to see healthy eating and enjoyable eating as two separate things you're never going to reach your goals which sounds super harsh but it's true so you need to first of all marry enjoyable eating and healthy eating they're not separate they should be closely aligned if you're really going to change your habits and stick with it so the other part of this question is so how do you balance kind of eating your favorite foods with still maintaining your goals Obviously, I'm a huge proponent of balance. I think that there are room for all foods in a nourishing diet. Um, But really, it just comes down to what you do a majority of the time, really that 80-20. For me, what that looked like when I was really trying to change my habits was just not having kind of the more treaty things in the house if I felt like I couldn't eat them within reason that that would be something that I would treat myself to when I was out but that I wouldn't have a ton of access to if I was worried about going overboard so for me I am someone who loves like chip crackery snacky things and if it was in the house in a giant box then I would be guaranteed to go overboard but if I would maybe buy it in individual packages or if I would ration it out to be portion sizes so I had that sense of completeness then I wouldn't go overboard so I think it's about understanding one what foods do you go overboard with and two how can you kind of manage that so that you can still enjoy them without going overboard so for me a lot of the time that has looked 
looked like maybe not keeping giant packages of those things in the house, maybe only enjoying them when I'm out, but not having it around in my day to day. And again, kind of to my initial point, really making sure that you see healthy eating as enjoyable as well, because then going overboard on those other things that might be a little bit less good for you won't be as tempting and you'll be able to kind of approach it from a more intuitive place. Now, the other way that I want to answer, that's kind of how I would answer the question for someone who's maybe on a weight loss journey or who is maybe trying to make their way to eating healthier and is maybe having a hard time getting started with it. The other side of that coin would be maybe if you're someone who, and I think I'm more so in this space where you've really you don't have a weight loss goal, you don't have a body changing goal, you just want to feel good, you want to not spend a lot of time worrying about food, and you want to go on about your business, I think that it's just, it's all about kind of taking the stress out of food. So for me, I'm at a point where I honestly don't think about what I'm eating very much. Um, When I'm at home, like I said, I eat my boring leftovers. When I'm out, I enjoy myself and I treat myself and then I keep it pushing. And it's just, it's all about kind of not getting so caught up in what we're eating. But, you know, our food choices are something that we can make every day. Um, And I think that it's good to be empowered to make choices that are going to make you feel good, mind, body, and soul. But it's not something that is worth stressing out over. And sometimes, you know, when it comes to food, that can feel really, really stressful. So I think the most beneficial thing you can do is to try to really take the stress out of it. So that was a very long way to answer that question. Um, But I do think it's really important to have conversations around that and conversations around food that just kind of allow us to take a deep breath and just not be so, so worried about it. All right. And our next question um, is a really heavy one. So I'm going to go ahead and, and read it because there's a lot to it. There's a lot to unpack here. So it says, is racism in the health industry about the perceived superiority of white bodies? This confuses me because black and brown bodies are historically seen as more able, yet they don't appear. So is this about beauty standards? I think that that is such a good question. Um, (laughs) There's a lot to unpack there. Actually, the first thing that I thought of when I read that question was the movie Get Out. Um, which if you haven't seen the movie Get Out, I mean, that's basically the premise of the movie Get Out is black bodies being seen as physically superior and um, kind of the the use of, of black bodies to house kind of white souls, which is very, I mean, it's kind of a horror movie. So that's that's that. But I'm going to answer this purely from my opinion. So I'm not necessarily an expert in social justice. And, you know, I'm learning from a lot of experts in in social justice that I would love to bring on the show soon. So I will purely answer this from my opinion. So I don't think that the representation of white people in the health space or racism in the health industry is about the perceived superiority of white bodies. I don't think that's the case. And I also don't think it's about beauty standards. I think that in the United States, at least, I can't speak for other countries. I think that in the United States, across industries, for the most part, across sectors, across what we see, whiteness is the default for everything. 
So I saw this quote, I think it was on Twitter, probably a couple of weeks ago that was basically like in America you are American if you are white if you are anything that is not white you are then a hyphenated American you are then African American you are Asian American you are Latin American you are other because whiteness is the default but for someone to just say I'm American that is usually kind of saved only for white people. Whiteness is seen as the default. So I don't think it's necessarily the idea that white bodies are perceived as better. In fact, I I actually don't think that is the case. I think that a lot of people may feel the opposite, which is why we see so many white people trying to take on racially ambiguous features to make their bodies have features that people who are black and brown typically have naturally that is why you see the kardashians plumping up their lips and their butts that is why you see these girls on instagram making themselves look racially ambiguous even though they're actually not because that look is starting to gain popularity those looks are starting to be appreciated but again they're still not appreciated on black bodies because whiteness is seen as the default. And I think as far as wellness goes, especially over the past probably 10 years or so, you know, the wellness scene has really exploded in ways that it it didn't before. So with social media, with healthy living bloggers, with quote unquote wellness experts everywhere, with everyone becoming a health coach, with all of this stuff, wellness is worth more money now than it ever has been before. And I think the people who are at the top and who are controlling most of the things and who have most of the money and who are deciding what how things look or who gets featured or what happens the people who are kind of at the top controlling everything are white people so they are sharing things from their gaze where they truly usually look around and only see whiteness because again whiteness is that default the thought to include other people doesn't even occur to them because everything else is seen as other And sometimes maybe that comes from a malicious place. Sometimes it doesn't come from a malicious place. I don't know. I can't speak on other people's intentions, but I think it's more so from that perspective. So I think it's a combination of one in the United States for so many things. Whiteness is constantly the default. Everything else is seen as other or special interest, even though I disagree with that from a fundamental standpoint, but that is honestly what happens a lot in our society and I think that wellness is no different and to the people who are kind of at the top making the decisions with the money calling the shots are white people so they are putting out content that is from their gaze they're not considering other perspectives because they've never had to because they don't even realize that other perspectives need to be considered or if they do it's they're just scratching the surface at starting to understand that so I think I would argue that those are probably the reasons why um, Um, The images we see uh, lack diversity more so than the perception of um, white bodies being seen as superior. Because if you look at even in sports, I mean, across most sports, you see black and brown bodies kind of dominating. um, But there's also all of these other ethical issues as far as sports, professional sports. If you look at things that are happening in the NFL and how much money players make versus how much money these white team owners make off of those black and brown bodies based off of their abilities. I mean, there is a ton to unpack there that I will not fully unpack because 
a lot of it is just kind of my opinion. I wouldn't say that I have, you know, the most expertise in that area, but I think that there's a lot of factors there to uncover and to discuss and all of these things could kind of be their own episodes in and of themselves but I think that that is a really really fantastic question it's something that really got me thinking and something that I would love to have more conversations about and with that that was our last question that i'm gonna answer for today's q a i probably should have been done a better job categorizing them and talking about maybe the health and fitness questions in one area about more of like the race and equity questions in another area i'm still learning y'all just you know y'all know my heart stay with me next time we do a q a episode i'll do a better job at uh categorizing things (laughs) but I just wanted to talk just wanted to have a conversation with y'all so next week we will have our final episode of 2018 that will be more of a wrap-up of 2018 talking a little bit more about goal setting and what is next for the balanced black girl but I really really appreciate you tuning in I appreciate your thoughtful questions I would love to hear your experiences with these questions and how you would answer them so please 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 uh feel free to engage with me on Instagram at balanced less or at balanced black girl podcast. Leave me a comment, shoot me a message. Let me know how you would answer these questions and what you think. Um, And if you haven't already joined our Facebook group, make sure you join the Facebook group at uh, the balanced black girl podcast community on Facebook. That is where we chat. That is where we hang out. That is where you can talk directly to me and to hundreds of other supportive women who support the balanced black girl mission. I would love to have you there. So if you celebrate happy holidays and I will see you next week. 